Just take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I'll be looking at one verse this morning, reading a few more lines. It's verse 9. We'll look at that together in, in just a minute. We're, as I said earlier, we're beginning a uh, series of sermons on the Lord's Prayer. And as we think about this, we're not just looking at this as something that sets a model for us to pray. It does that. And of course, we'll be considering that as we go through that. But also, we're going to be thinking about what does this prayer say about our relationship to God and about His relationship to us? And what are we supposed to do in that relationship? So that'll be some of the focus over the next several weeks. Now, as we begin to look at this, we're going to be thinking about the relationship that's there. And as the relationship that is there, we can call God Father. Have you stopped to think about that? Do you know what that means? That means that if we call God Father, it means that he is a person. He, he's not just a force. He's not just energy. He's not just power. You know, you can't have a relationship with a force or energy of power. It, it's got to be a person. Think about it this way. The Quran, holy book for Islam, has 99 words for God. Not one of them mentions God as Father. Not one of them mentions being able to have a relationship with God. Not one of them mentions love. You see, Islam doesn't believe that you can have a relationship with God. He is remote, separate, doesn't care about us as individuals. No. What a contrast with what Jesus taught us when he reminded us that we could have a relationship with God himself. And so we, we are entering an idea here that when we look at this Lord's Prayer about that relationship and can think of what that relationship means in our lives. So let's look at this verse for just a moment. I don't believe this is going to work again today for some reason. I want to turn it off and turn it on one more time and see what happens. There it goes. Catch up to where we are. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's look at this. Matthew 6, beginning with verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, there's a lot in this one verse. First of all, this verse reminds us that God is Father. Jesus is telling us that God is Father. We have the right to address the Creator of all, the King of the universe, as Father. If you stop and think about it, that, that's an amazing thing. If you think about who God is, if you think about what God is, if you think about what God can do, if you think about how high He is, how holy He is, He says the likes of you and I can come into His presence and call Him Father. And there's a word that Jesus used for God, Abba. 
And you can roughly translate that, Daddy. You ever stop to think you could call God Daddy? Listen to what is said in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And then in Galatians chapter 4, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Think about a little child running and crawling up in his daddy's lap, throwing his arms around his daddy's neck and says, Daddy, I love you. That's a little bit of the picture that we're getting here. And that's not irreverence, that's relationship. God wants us to have that kind of close relationship with Him. He is our Heavenly Father. He cares about us. And I know a little bit about what it means to be a father. I've got two children. They're grown now. I've got a girl and a boy. And, uh, you know, I, I can think about them and still smile. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm proud of them when they achieve things. I uh, feel their pain when they hurt. When they are going through a struggle, I'm concerned. Uh, if they want me to do something, I'll try my best to do it for them. Uh, it's just, in many ways, a delight to be a father. God is a father. That's his characteristic. That's how he feels toward us. Do you understand that? That's how he feels toward us. He's our father. But understand something else. It's not, you know, a good father is, doesn't always have a broad smile on his face and, you know, welcomes them, us with open arms. Sometimes a father disciplines us. If he's the right kind of father, he does. You know, sometimes it's a penetrating look. Sometimes it's a stern tone of voice. Sometimes it's a little different kind of discipline that we may not want to think about. But God disciplines us. Why? Well, for one reason, because we're sinners. Because if we're left to our own devices, we keep going further and further from Him. And as our Father, He is the source of life. And he wants the abundant life for us. And if we persist in our sin, persist in our rebellion, then we're cutting ourselves off from that. And he wants the best for us. Good father wants the best for his children. And so, you know, God disciplines us sometimes. But understand something. That discipline is a gift. It's a gift so that we can attain all that we were meant to attain and enjoy all we missed to enjoy. So, God is the God who is Father, a God who wants a relationship with us, a God who did what was possible through Jesus to make that relationship possible for us. And He wants a close relationship. He's not a distant, far-off God who set the world spinning and then went off to leave it alone. He is a God who wants a relationship, a close relationship with us. He is Father. Also, God is our Father in heaven. Now, for some of us, when we think about our Father, our earthly Father, our earthly Father was less than perfect. For some, may have been absent. For some, He may have been abusive. For some, He may have been neglectful. For some, He may have been 
hard to understand. One day he acted one way, another day he acted another way. We never could quite get him figured out, never could feel secure around him. Some couldn't even feel safe around their fathers. Notice he's our Father in heaven. God is in heaven, but you know God is everywhere. The psalmist said, you know, if I take the wings of the morning and go to the othermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand guide me. God is everywhere, not just in heaven. I think part of what this is saying is that he is the perfect father. When you think of heaven, what do you think of? You think of perfection. So God is the perfect father, the God who will never mistreat us, the God who will never change on us, the God who will never let us down. He is the perfect father. But it, also, that does mean that he is also in control. He's in heaven on his throne. He is in control of all things. He knows all things. He is all-powerful. And he's going to provide for us a heavenly home because he's our Father. He is our Father in heaven. But notice something else. God is our Father. He is our Father. You don't have a relationship with God without realizing that you're part of a group, part of a people. And it's encouraging to me to know that I'm a part of a group. You know, God is our Father, so we don't have to serve God alone. There are other people around who have the same beliefs. There are other people around who have the same commitments. Look around the room. Here's a whole room full of people who know God is Father, who know what it's like to serve Him and to follow Him. We're not in this by ourselves. He is the one who gives us the opportunity to be a whole part of a group so that we're not together in our belief or in our devotion. We also need to remember that our relationship with Him is bound up with others. There are other people that follow God. There are other groups that follow God. God has His church. God has His family. We are a part of the family of God. And so we don't just think of ourselves as Lone Ranger Christians. There really is no such thing. We're part of God's family. We're part of His church. We're together in this. Look at the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, give us today. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. Every personal pronoun is plural. You understand that? Every personal pronoun there is plural. How much, now you don't have to answer this question, but how much of your prayers are I, me, and mine? That's all right. God's our Heavenly Father is for us as individuals. And sure, we're going to pray personal things about it. But don't forget that we can pray our, us, we. And we need to remember to do that. You know, there are a lot of people in this world who are experiencing difficult situations. People in your Sunday school class, people in the congregation this morning, people in your family, people you work with, people that are your neighbors, they're experiencing things like you've experienced. Illness, grief, financial struggles, you know, personal struggles, relationship problems. We pray for one another because we know what it's like. And when we pray, we don't just pray for ourselves. You heard about the 
uh, the man that, whose prayer every night was, God bless me, my wife, my son John, his wife, us four, no more, amen. Well, sometimes we get that way, but we're not to be that way. We're to thank our Father and pray for one another. Pray for us as a group. Pray for your Sunday school class. Pray for the church. You know, it just goes on and on and on. Then God's name is to be hallowed. You heard about the little boy that said, Our Father in heaven, Howard be your name. Uh, sometimes we don't know what hallowed means, do we? All right? Hallowed means set apart for holy use. We set God's name apart for holy use. Hallowed is something or someone who is deserving of respect, something or someone who is deserving of honor and glory. So we seek to hallow God's name. God's a good God. You know, He's the eternal God. He's a loving God. He is a saving God who provides eternal life for us. He's a good God. And because of that, we reverence His character. And as His child, we seek to ensure that His name is held in reverence. I mentioned my son a few moments ago. He works for Blue Cross Blue Shield. He's a project manager now. When he first went to work for them, he worked in a different department. He worked in the quality control department. Now, why do companies have quality control departments? So that they will put out a good product and so that they can have a way to maintain their reputation. If a company loses its reputation, then their business is going to go downhill. Fast food industry has found out that if someone goes to their restaurant and is satisfied, has a good meal, they'll tell one other person. If they had a bad experience, they'll tell seven other people. So you know, sometimes you have to work at maintaining a reputation. We are the ones who seek to maintain God's reputation because we bear the name. We're called Christians. We're called children of God. It makes a difference what we do. There are some areas that we ought to make sure that we highlight God's name. And one of them is what we're doing right now, worship. Reverence is the starting place for worship. You remember when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush? Remember the first thing he did was call his name. And then you remember what he said to him? Take your shoes off your feet, for the land where you are standing is holy ground. Holy, special, different, set apart. We are to come into God's presence with a sense of reverence that He is a holy God. Yes, He's our Father. But at the same time, He is the Almighty God, the all-knowing God, the all-powerful God, the eternal God, the God who is above all. We come into His presence recognizing that we are coming before God Himself, the King of the universe. We reverence Him. When we worship, we should be conscious of God. We should be thinking we're coming into God's presence. It's easy not to, isn't it? 
It's easy to come and in worship, we think about, you know, well, where are we going for lunch today? Or, you know, what am I supposed to be doing Tuesday morning? Let's see. Uh, well, I think I got that appointment. I need to check my calendar when I get home. You know, and, you know, look at that dress she almost has on. We're thinking about a whole lot of things except God. We, don't, we lose our focus sometime, and we have to work at maintaining that focus because when we come to worship, we're coming to worship in the presence of God Himself. And we should offer Him our best. When, when we come to worship, we should become thinking about, I'm going to offer God my best. When I sing, I'm going to offer God my best. If it's just making a joyful noise, you know, you still offer God your best. When you sing, let me ask you something. When you sing, who are you singing to? When you, when you come to church and you sing a hymn or a praise song, who are you singing to? Each other or God? We should be addressing our music to God. We're not the audience, He is. We, we, we offer Him our best. We, we offer Him, you know, our, our attention. We offer Him our devotion. We're offering ourselves to Him afresh every time we come into worship. Malachi told the priests of his day, it's in chapter 1 of Malachi, that they were accepting diseased and blemished animals and offering them to God, and they themselves, the priests, found worship boring. When you come to worship, you bring God your best. When you come to get an offering in worship, do you bring God your best? Or you just bring Him something? I, I never have been able to figure out. I know what happened to the church I left. I know what's happened to some in this church. Why does the offering go down when the church doesn't have a full-time pastor? What's going on there? Who's the offering for? It's not for the pastor. It's not for the church. It's for God. You're giving sudden change. It always should be a gift to God and to be pleasing in His sight, it ought to be a sacrificial gift to God. It ought to cost you something to give. My goodness, most of us have more than we know what to do with anyhow. Offer Him your best. Offer Him your best in worship. Offer Him your best in your offering. Offer Him your best in your attention. You know, offer Him your best time. Now, where is he in that sermon now? Well, you only got a few more minutes. It's going to be an all, a whole hour. Boy, this hour's about up. It? I got to get out of here in an hour. Why? You've got the privilege to be in the presence of the eternal God. So it runs over 15 minutes. What could you be doing better? Unless you have somewhere where you have to be, unless you're going to lose your job if you're not there by noon. Quit counting the minutes or the hours and just worship God. Hallow His name by offering Him your best in worship. Another area where we need to hallow God's name is in our speech. Here's one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord your God will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. We are not to use God's name lightly. Well, we, people do that all the time, don't they? 
They use God's name lightly. The psalmist said, He provided redemption for His people. He ordained His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. But we use His name lightly. We will link His name and the word damn. We will use Jesus Christ as a four-letter vulgarity. We will say, oh my God, when we have no consciousness of God in our mind whatsoever. And we're pulling down the name. The name of the one who has redeemed us and established a covenant with us. And that covenant can last forever. We don't take his name lightly. His name's special. It ought to mean something. We're to use our speech to glorify God. We sing those hymns of songs and praise, not just in church, but other places, using our voice to glorify His name. We, we tell what God has done for us. We give testimony to how He's helped us, guided us, saved us, so that others will have the opportunity to know. We use our speech to glorify God. Our speech should tell others about God. Our speech does tell others about God. How we talk what we talk about, what we refuse to talk about, and what we will talk about, says a lot about our relationship to God. When I was in my former church a while back, I called one of my church families. Their, their teenage son answered. And I talked to him a little bit. And as I talked to him, I noticed he said, yes, sir, several times. And I thought to myself, there's a young man who somebody has taught to be respectful. And I also thought, now I know a little bit more about his par parents' character and values. How we talk reflects on our Heavenly Father and the, His character and His values. Does what you say or how you say it or what you refuse to say reflect well on your Heavenly Father? And we hallow God's name through how we live our lives. Sometimes what God's people do dishonors God. Paul, in Romans chapter 2, addressed the Jews and said, because of your behavior, the name of God is blasphemed among the nations. Sometimes our behavior blasphemes God's name, pulls His name down. For a while, there was some commercials on TV about a certain window replacement company. And I like their commercials. Man, they had side, you know, smiling people. They had people that looked like they were doing a good job in manufacturing those windows and installing them. And I thought, if I ever need a replacement window, I think I'll go with that company. And then one day, I was going up Interstate 26, and there was one of their company trucks in the left lane, doing about 50 miles an hour, People running up behind it real quick, you know, wouldn't ever get over, you know, causing a dangerous situation. And I thought, if their employees don't have any more concern or respect for other drivers on the road, I'm not so sure I'd want to buy windows from them. One employee dishonored the name of that whole company by his behavior. We can do the same. What books do you read? 
What TVs and programs and movies do you watch? What do you access on the internet? How do you treat your coworkers? Makes a difference in honoring God's name. Sometimes we do things that dishonor His name. Our lives should bring Him honor. The way we speak, the way we treat people, the way we interact with people, the way we drive our automobile. All of these things can be used to bring honor and glory to God and to not dishonor Him. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we are saying, Father, I realize your reputation is at stake in me today. May I live in such a way that it will honor your name. I bet you're familiar with Psalm 23. There's one phrase in that psalm we don't seem to pay much attention to. It's in the third verse. It says, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. So when we pray, hallowed be your name, we are saying, God, lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake because that's how we're supposed to live. In our relationship with God, we recognize Him as Father, as the perfect Father, as our Father, and our worship, talk, and speech is such that we honor Him. Now, do you have a relationship with God? I want to tell you something. That's a loaded question. That may be a trick question for some of you. I'm not asking you, have you heard about God? Do you know about God? Do you know about Jesus? Do you believe in Him with your mind? Do you know there's a God? You know, guess what? Satan believes there's a God. It just doesn't make any difference in him. Do you have a relationship with God? Have you opened your life to Him and come to Him and said, I want you to come into my life. I believe in you in such a way that it's going to make a difference in how I live. Listen to what John 1.12 says. To all who received Him, talking about Jesus, to all who to receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Don't you need God is that perfect Father who will be your father now and be your father forever. Don't you need to enter into a relationship with him through putting your faith in Jesus Christ and opening your life to him? Maybe you need to do that today. Maybe today you need to renew your relationship to him. Maybe you need to just say, Lord, I want to renew my commitment to honor you with every part of my life. I appreciate so much you being my Heavenly Father. And I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve with your people. And I'm going to live in a way that truly honors you. Our invitation to Him this morning is number 18.